Hello and welcome to another episode of Author Conversations presented by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. I'm Jonathan Foster and today I'm speaking with the author of The Lost Freedman's Town of Hamburg, South Carolina, Michael Smith. Hamburg is perhaps South Carolina's most famous ghost town. It was founded in 1821 and it grew to 4,000 residents before transportation advances led to its decline. And during Reconstruction, recently freed enslaved people reshaped Hamburg into a freedman's village, where residents held local, county, and state offices. These gains were wiped away after the Hamburg Massacre of 1876, a watershed event that left seven African Americans dead, most of them executed in cold blood. Yet more than a century after Hamburg, the one white supremacist killed in the melee is canonized by the racially divisive Meriwether Monument in downtown North Augusta. Author Michael Smith details the amazing events that created this unique community with a lasting legacy. A resident of Aiken, South Carolina, Michael Smith worked as a journalist in South Carolina for more than 20 years and has a technical writer for the past three years. He has won dozens of South Carolina Press Association awards for writing and investigative journalism, including Journalist of the Year in 2006 and 2008. Smith graduated from Coastal Carolina University in Conway, South Carolina in 1999 with bachelor's degrees in secondary education and in history. Michael, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, there are some who are listening um, who might not be familiar with the term freedmen or maybe what a freedman town was. And sometimes this is before the Civil War when you'd hear the term freedmen. Um, but in this case, it's after the Civil War. Um, do you kind of want to explain maybe to the listeners what you mean when you title the book Freedman's Town? Hamburg? Oh, cer- certainly. Certainly. Thank you. Um, well, uh, when most people think of the Civil War, even if it's just a rudimentary understanding of history that they had in, in, in grade school, was that it was associated with slavery. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, uh, we know about the Emancipation Proclamation. And after the Civil War, uh, those who were still slaves were no longer slaves, uh, at least in the legal term, hence becoming freedmen. And then the question became, well, what's next? What do we do now? And uh, in in, in some instances, and and Hamburg is probably one of the most famous examples, um, there was a lot of small abandoned towns after the Civil War, because in the South was in shambles. Um, uh, Most, they were pretty pretty much an empty town that they could walk into and make their own. Um, The Civil War took a major toll on Hamburg and, it was essentially a ghost town. They revived it and turned it into their own community with their own town council. They had their own sheriff, um, and uh, it, it, it wasn't quite the thriving uh, river town that it was at the time of its founding. But certainly, they breathed new life into the town, and uh, there were a lot of hopes. And you know, there were a lot of uh, African American office holders, both locally and in the state legislature. I believe there was even a majority of African Americans in the uh, state house at the time. So. Um, it, there was a lot of optimism, at least in the early years after the Civil War for African-Americans, and Hamburg was a, a great example of that. Yeah, and you grew up in Aiken. Um, uh, no, not exactly. I, uh, I moved to Aiken. Um, okay. I, I was uh, actually, I'm a Yankee. I was uh, born and raised in upstate New York and moved to South Carolina to go to college. Uh, spent most of my adult life in Horry County in the Myrtle Beach area. And uh, uh, I moved out to Aiken about four years ago for job considerations and uh, uh, ended up pursuing a different path afterwards, but uh, fell in love with the history of Aiken. And it's, it's very rich and deep. And 
Uh, it's not not just in Hamburg, but uh, lots of different areas. But uh, um, but I did become somewhat obsessed, I'll say, with the, the Hamburg story. It's, yeah, so that makes that question even more story. poignant. How did you become like what led to that obsession? Well, uh, I, uh, the job that lured me out here was to become a, a newspaper editor for the daily uh, newspaper, Aiken Standard. And um, once, you know, whenever you move to a new community in the newspaper world, you need to learn about that community. And history is a great way to do that. And I quickly learned that there was a deep history throughout the county, but Hamburg in particular, uh, both for um, the, the, the thriving Riverside metropolis, metropolis, but the thriving Riverside port town that it was in the, before the Civil War, and then, of course, the Hamburg massacre afterwards. And um, I just there was just so much in the historical record. And I was a history major. And at least in the time that I was at the newspaper, I was able to explore some of that, but um, not to the degree that you want to. So that's what led me to write a book about it. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I really love about our authors is how they dig into the history and they bring so many of the details to life. And you do that with hamburger, uh, hamburger, sorry, hamburger. Quite all right. <laughs> Even before it starts. And we could see um, that you could say that the story, even though there are settlers there in the colonial time period, um, in fact, not too long after the provincial time period in the history of the Carolina colony, um, but we could see see the story starts in the 1700s, but the real story of Hamburg, or start, Hamburg, dare I did it again, starts with a bridge, and the story of the man that the town was named for is intriguing in its own right. Um, he was quite a character, was he not? Oh, he was. He was, um, you might say he was, at least on a smaller scale, uh, the, from the populist standpoint, uh, the Donald Trump of his era. He was certainly wanting to uh, uh, make a name for himself in business, and he was motivated by revenge. Um, he felt that the city of Augusta had wronged him in, when, in, in building the bridge, um, and it led to uh, decades of dispute and legal battles, most of which were unsuccessful. But uh, uh, one, one of the, the big successes was the founding of the town of Hamburg, which uh, the founder, Henry Schultz, mm -hmm. uh, named after his hometown of Hamburg, Germany. Um, you'll have to read the book to get his origin story, but yeah. it's a fascinating one. It goes all the way back to Napoleon. But he, um, when he came to America, um, he, the river was where he felt that uh, money could be made, and he certainly made it. He spent it as fast as he made it, but he did make it, and uh, Augusta quickly took notice. Um, and so then you start to see steamships coming up and down the Savannah River. Uh, the Augusta Canal, which exists today, was uh, created by the city of Augusta specifically to divert river traffic to Augusta away from Hamburg. Um, the it, it, it led the railroad, the, the Augusta Hamburg Railroad. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the Columbia Augusta Railroad. They keep renaming the railroad through the years, but a uh, major yeah. railroad extended into Hamburg and then eventually into Augusta. So the South Carolina Railroad, that was a major part. So he, he had a, quite the legacy in the first half of the 19th century. Um, and, uh, you know, it all started with that bridge dispute with Augusta. Yeah, and I got to say, I didn't know, I know, I know about the Augusta Canal. Because my mom's had lived in that area near Lincolnton for a while, um, but and of course my brother had been stationed in the area. We talked about earlier before we started recording about that a little bit, but I didn't know the canal was built because of that. So that was an interesting fact that I learned from the book. Um, and and also, I mean, the Charleston and Hamburg Railroad, and of course it goes through different names, like you said. It 
it's it's a pretty famous railroad to historians, especially here in South Carolina, and also anybody who's a railroad buff, um, they know about the Charleston Hamburg. But in the book, you said that he didn't want it to begin with. No, no, he was sold on rivers, and I suppose with any new technology or any new thing, there's always your skeptics out there. But um, but he was just he he, he grew up on the rivers. That's that's what he mm-hmm. knew. Um, he made his early money, um, you know, eking out a living before he became famous, at least regionally famous, by plying on the river. It's what he knew. He didn't know anything about the railroad. Um, had he known anything about the railroad, he probably would have invested on it. It might have saved him some financial hardship later in life. But um, he, he knew rivers and he, he stuck to what he knew. So. so before the Civil War, what is life like for residents around this area? Uh, before the Civil War, yeah. um, well, um, mostly prosperous. I mean, uh, Hamburg just multiplied in terms of the population because uh, they didn't ha- they didn't have to go across into Augusta anymore. They could come right to, to Hamburg. And I, what what Henry Schultz was able to do because of his deep knowledge of the rivers, he, he knew the currents and he he knew the best routes that uh, the ships could take and to do so safely. And um, I mean, you had so so you had ships coming and going daily. They published in the newspaper, which I found fascinating. Uh, what everything from hay to uh, you know cattle to you know, whatever whatever commodities they're interested in buying, that was always in the newspaper. What the, what the fetching price was, um, and on land it became very popular even before the railroad. Uh, you had people camped outside of town for miles, and it was um, literally a traffic jam at all points of wow. entry. To, to get into town and yeah. it, uh, um, it even and I have a little aside in the story about the uh, the guy Escutus <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a, a con <laughs> it's a funny story and again you'll have to read the book but uh, it got Hamburg got so popular it lured con men to come to town because you know that's another way I suppose to make money <laughs> to swindle <laughs> absolutely now because we're about to get into some of the people in the book itself but I asked that question that I just asked because there's going to be this dichotomy in lifestyle for people who were doing well before the Civil War and they do end up coming back to the area. Life's going to be different for them the way right. life was. Now, because there's some characters in the book who seem like they would be in a movie, just movie characters, but they existed. This thing that happens in the book actually happened to them, this event. Judge Rivers, who seems to have this ability to read a situation and know what's going to happen, but he's—it's like he can't stop it, and you feel a connection with him, and you feel his—I don't want to say helplessness, but you feel helpless because you know what's going to happen. Then it kind of feels like he maybe feels like that. The Butlers, of course, they're maybe the people that would come back to a different way of a different world than what they came from if they come back after the Civil War, and of course, militia the rifle clubs uh could you maybe introduce the listeners a bit to maybe what we would call the main players if this was a a movie script but of course it was real life who they might read certainly certainly and 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 you mentioned a few and there's there's quite a few um so of course prince rivers he's uh he's kind of young and and, and exciting and wide-eyed in the civil war he was a escape slave who served in the war and earned uh, high high marks from his commanding officer 
um, during during the war, um, and uh, so much so that he, he predicted that, uh, that Prince Rivers would uh, go far in life, and he did for a while. He held political office. He became a judge, um, and uh, he was a, a, a very respected figure, um, at least um, among the the Republicans in uh, in Hamburg and regionally in the state. Uh, unfortunately, um, he, the uh, folks on the losing side of the Civil War, and I think there was probably a little PTSD in there, raw racism and other things. Um, of course, you've got, um, you got General Butler, Matthew Calbraith Butler, or M.C. Butler. Um, they say no relation to um, Robert J. Butler, who owned property adjacent to Hamburg, which would be about the top of the hill of North Augusta today, and his son Thomas, though there may be some relation deep back in the day. And then there's uh, Henry Getson, the brother-in-law who married into the family. Um, uh, Thomas Butler, the son, and Henry Getson were essentially best buds, but mm. they were also partners in crime. And uh, all it took was just one fateful trip on the 4th of July, you know, it was a centennial of the United States founding, uh, and seeing a black militia drilling in the streets. And you can imagine the powder keg that that set off amid uh well, the book goes into a lot of different events, even recent events, but certainly the angst after the Civil War and seeing an African-Americans move into a town that was once all white. Um, it was um, it was sadly an inevitable confrontation that resulted. Yeah. And that, you know, that's not let's talk just a little bit about that, because that's not the massacre itself. That's just uh, preemptive to the massacre right. because there is a militia that's train that's the drilling and they're kind of drilling because even you know before the revolutionary war um militias would drill um on holidays and times of celebration a militia would drill but this was an all african-american militia um that was drilling in hamburg this day and the two boys exactly. didn't i guess like this uh certainly there, there was that that component to it um, and there were some current events at the time that uh, pushed it over the edge. There was the, the Ned Tennant riots, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's the plural. There's two of them where uh, and that and he was very flamboyant, very uh, he, he was character. He, he, he held no bones about how he felt and um, probably to a fault. Um, and he did lead some armed uprisings, um, and but that also just antagonized the, the white rifle clubs in the area, and they, they had mobilized. And how things didn't erupt then, I don't know. But certainly the memory of those incidents were fresh on uh, people's minds. And so when they saw an African-American militia drilling again in Hamburg, right at the footsteps of a prominent uh, plantation owner or former plantation owner, um, that uh, that was a that was a major affront to um, to the white supremacists. And uh, it was, uh, you know, and, and as you say, it led to a series of events that led to the Hamburg massacre. I uh, after everything's you know, said and done, Hamburg uh, never truly recovers, does it? No, no. I mean, it was there was some slight decline occurring uh, before the Civil War erupted, but not nearly to the level that you saw after the massacre. Um, because, um, you know, Henry Schultz, he, he had passed away, so he wasn't around to advocate for his town. The war really took its toll on Hamburg, and even with African-Americans moving in and, and, and building it back up to a source of pride, it, it never did return to its former days of glory. But after, after the massacre, 
um, it, it's best to look at when, when one reads about the Hamburg massacre. And, and I wish that I don't want to change anything about how things happen. I wish things happened more peacefully back in January with the Capitol Hill riots that we saw right after the election. But um, mm. the parallels between what we saw on January 6th and what we saw in Hamburg are eerie and stunning and amazing to me in, in, in a shocking sort of way, uh, because both were there was, a, I think, on, on a more uh, broad sense, uh, there was angst over political developments and how things were going with elections. Um, you were leading into the election of 1876, was, which was just about as contentious as what we saw here in, in 2020. Um, with one side or the other, the issues were different, but the um, the 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 strict partisanship was amazing. And yeah. then again, you had this powder keg in both instances building, and um, and as a result, in 1876, unfortunately, the uh, those who brought about the Hamburg massacre and the riot, the the Democrats at the time seeking power, took power. Um, they kicked out all of the African Americans who had made, you know, so much, so many gains in uh, in Hamburg. Um, uh, some of the Hamburg massacre participants themselves landed cozy judge judgeships, or uh, in one case, one was elected to the United States Senate. Another became governor, um, uh, and and so there was a, you know, it was a big victory for them. But unfortunately for African Americans, it uh, not so much. Okay, so Hamburg. A town that was, you know, very wealthy, famous before the Civil War, no longer exists. What's left of Hamburg today? Not much. Um, uh, a, a good bit of Hamburg has uh, now what's known as the River Golf Club, which is a, a, a very popular golf course in the area, um, and multi-million-dollar homes uh, along the riverfront. Um, the there's also there are some structures that are in in the woods that are overgrown um that uh, i'm not sure when that those buildings were actually built because hamburg technically continued on until the late 1920s but um but they're overgrown covered in vines and and lots of litter strewn about and what's interesting is the city of north augusta owns most of those properties uh, I think Aiken County owns another part and the Red Cross owns a parcel. Um, there's a side story behind that. But the city of North Augusta paid six figures about 10, 12 years ago to buy that property, obviously, oddly enough, to keep adult entertainment out. The theory being if you control the property, you control what can go on to that property. And at the time, there was a fear adult entertainment might try and do something on the waterfront. But that never happened, obviously, but nothing else has happened either with the land. It continues to wither away. Wow. What kind of monument would you like to see, or what would you like to see done with the area? Or well, any other I groups that you've been involved with? Have there been talks about what you would like to see happen? Certainly, certainly. There, there's a local effort. Those city leaders would like to put some sort of uh, they want to leave the monument alone, uh, the Meriwether Monument alone, even though technically it doesn't fall under the Heritage Act. Uh, and the Attorney General even uh, opined as much because uh, Thomas Meriwether never served in any army, uh, so he is not a military veteran. But be that as it may, there's been talk of putting uh, a counter message up there, plaques telling the story of African Americans in Hamburg, so people can get both sides, but 
no talk of Hamburg. I would like to see some sort of nature trail or or historical trail right across the river, walking distance, literally, in Augusta, Georgia, is the Augusta River Walk, where there are several plaques spaced out strategically along a, a very nice walkway along the river, telling the history of the river, of the city of Augusta, fires and different things that have happened. And it's a, it's a neat place to go take a walk and learn about the history. And uh, uh, why not do something like that on the South Carolina side for Hamburg, given its history and um, the fact that it wouldn't cost a whole lot of money since the city already owns the land. Um, it, to me, it seems like it would be a worthwhile investment. I've kept you for a long time this afternoon. Just, let me just say thanks for talking with me. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for uh, the opportunity. I appreciate it as well. I want to say thanks to the audience also for listening. The Lost Freedom's Town of Hamburg is available for pre-order on AcadiaPublishing.com and will be available wherever local books are sold beginning April 5th. If you have an idea for an episode or any questions, reach out to me at ArcadiaAuthorConversations at gmail.com. And as always, I want to thank Jay and Bill's Unnamed Band Project, and you can find them online or Facebook or Instagram by searching for Jay and Bill's Unnamed Band Project. And I'll speak with you again soon.